thank you. Oh, it's good to be here, isn't it? The start of a new year. Did we all have a good Christmas and New Year? Yeah, okay, yeah, good. Anyone carrying a few extra mince pies round the waist area? Yeah, a few of us, yeah. Promising to join a gym in January and then never quite getting round to it. <laughs> um, but it's so good to be here. It's so great to be with you guys on the first uh, Sunday back after the new year. And uh, we're going to be carrying on uh, in our series in Ephesians this morning called Who Am I? Uh, and this morning's passage, I think, ties in perfectly with the start of a new year. It ties in uh, with that sense of uh, hope and optimism uh, for the coming year, that, that something different could happen, that something could change, that something new could be about to kick off at the start of this new year. So I feel really excited about where we're going this morning. Uh, and in this letter, this, this letter is to the Ephesian church. It's a church that's been planted in Ephesus. There's a bunch of uh, new believers around this church. And so Paul is writing to them to encourage them, you know, how, how do they discover their identity in Jesus uh, and the crazy world that they live in where temptation uh, is around every corner, uh, where anxiety and fear uh, for their lives uh, is is hovering all around the place. How does he encourage them? How does he encourage them to find their true identity in Jesus in a way that will radically transform their walk with Jesus so that they become people who are kingdom carriers, city transformers? And so that's where we're at today. Paul is about to pray this prayer over the Ephesians that is just encouraging them to discover their true identity as sons and daughters of Jesus. And so I'm really excited about where we're going this morning. It's Ephesians chapter 3. It's verse 14 to 21, uh, and it's basically all about power and love. How do we experience God's power and love in a way that transforms not just our lives, but the lives of uh, the world around us? How can we experience and know God's love and power in a way that radically tra- transforms our way of living and thinking? So it's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. If you need a Bible this morning, there are a few Bibles at the front here. James is going to be our Bible monitor. If you need one, you can just fire your hand up and he will pass one out to you. If you don't have a Bible at home, uh, and maybe this is your first time in church, or maybe you don't have a Bible, please take that away with you today. This can be your Bible from us to you. No strings attached, no price, no anything. Just as long as we don't find it on Gumtree next week, that's the only, it's the only condition. <laughs> So it's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. It should come up on the screen too. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high, how wide, how long and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, all the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I really love this prayer that Paul is praying over the Ephesians. 
you can almost hear the desperation in his words that these guys will just get what it is to fully grasp their identity in Christ. He's desperate for them to learn of what the fullness of life in Jesus looks like. So he's praying. I think it's like his best prayers. You know how sometimes we pray prayers and then other times we pray our best prayers when we really mean what we're praying for. I think that is Paul in this moment. He's praying his best prayer over the Ephesian church because he's desperate for them to encounter what their identity is in Jesus. And I think the first thing that comes out in his prayer, the first sort of key moment in like what discovering your identity in Jesus looks like is that Jesus finds a home in our hearts, that our hearts are a home for him. It's the very first thing that comes out. It's a closeness of relationship, not just uh, an acquaintance, not just a friend, not just someone who we see every now and again, but literally that our hearts become homes for Jesus. That it's the closest relationship we'll ever know. That it's the most intimate relationship that we'll ever know. And isn't it just remarkable, just stop for a minute and think, the God who flung the stars into space, who pulled mountains out of the ocean, who created every living being, is desperate to find his home in your heart. It is wonderful. What a promise. What a hope for the year to come that the Lord himself would find a home in our hearts. Jesus wants to be personally involved in our lives in a residential sort of way. He's not someone on the outside looking in. He's someone who's at the very core of who we are. And so how do we create that space? How do we create the space in our hearts for Jesus to come and dwell. Um, Sarah and I, uh, we bought our uh, first house a few years ago. uh, And when we bought it, uh, we were looking for a house. We didn't have the budget for a house, but we knew that we needed a house to do all the stuff we wanted to do in our community. Um, We needed uh, a house and not a flat, but our budget needed a flat and not a house. Uh, And so we got to praying uh, and uh, just in the most remarkable way, this house came up that was in our budget in the area that we wanted to be. And we moved in. um, But uh, the person who'd lived there before, they had a really different style to us. So all the decor and all the flooring and everything would have been totally different. So we knew we had a lot of work to do at the start. Uh, My DIY skills are okay to poor, I think is where I would rate them on the scale of DIY. So if you can learn it on YouTube, I can just about do it, but anything beyond that. So we had to get uh, experts in to help us in some of those areas. We had an expert come in uh, who fitted a new central heating system for us. We had a bunch of people come in uh, who helped us um, move things around and paint and do a bunch of things. Uh, We had my dad came up and he helped us rewire the house from top to bottom. We had a whole bunch of people who came in and who were around uh, the process of that because it was beyond my capability to make that whole thing happen. I needed uh, other people to help me get the place up to scratch the way we wanted to. And I think what Paul is saying here is that we need to create a space where Jesus can come and dwell in our hearts, but the truth is we are absolutely incapable of making that happen by ourselves. It is beyond us. We can try as hard as we want to make our hearts a place that's fit for Jesus to come and live, but it is inevitably beyond our capabilities. We need help. We need uh, someone else to help usher him in. And the great thing is that there's a but in this passage. He's asked to come and dwell in our hearts, but, and here it is, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Out of the glorious riches of the Father, out of the power of his Holy Spirit alive and at work within us, that is what creates a space that's fit for the King. You know, we can try as much as we like, but ultimately it's surrendering ourselves to God in a way that flings open the doors of our hearts that will make our hearts a hospitable place for our wonderful Savior. He is to dwell in our hearts through faith, not through effort, not through uh, really working hard at it, not through getting on Santa's nice list, but through faith, our faith in him. Our faith is in the Father. Sorry, I've stuck my pages really closely together here. There we go. The thing is, though, that there's so uh, much that would compete for a space in our hearts, hey? There's so much in this world that would want to also move into that space where Jesus longs to dwell. There's so much that would look to force God into the tiniest corner of our hearts, the littlest room, and lock the door and put up the soundproofing so that we can't hear his voice. We long for relationships, for status, for security, for money, for power, for influence, for our own gratification. And often it's a false source of what we're hoping to find. Sometimes as well, the things that we desperately don't want to have in our heart find that they've got a mansion-sized space in there too. Things like jealousy and greed and anger and hurt and lust. And when we leave it unchecked, what has a little bit of wiggle room at the start suddenly occupies every room and actually God's voice feels so far away. Jesus is looking for the full heart full place to stay. Um, I discovered this thing called a healthy heart checklist a couple of years ago. And I just want to read you some of the questions off it. These are questions that I try and ask myself on a regular basis to make sure my heart is a hospitable place for Jesus. They ask questions like this. Is everything okay in your heart? Are you mad at anyone? Are you waiting around for someone to come and make things right with you? Have you had an extended imaginary conversation with anyone recently? Do things come out of your mouth that you wish you could take back? Have you secretly celebrated someone's failure? Have you got any secrets that are eating away at you? Is there anything going on that you hope nobody will discover? Is there a question you hope nobody will ask? Have you lied recently to someone you love? I think when Paul is praying this prayer over the Ephesians that that Jesus would find a place to dwell in their hearts, what he's actually saying is serve up the eviction notice to fear. Serve up the eviction notice to anxiety. Serve up the eviction notice to selfishness and greed and pride because Jesus has bought this place and he wants every room in it. It's a partnership with Jesus. We can't make the space on our own, but we partner with the Father to create a space that is hospitable for the King. It's out of his glorious riches that we're able to do that. And it is glorious riches. He's not a miser 
or a Scrooge of a God. He's not handing out little pennies here and there saying, oh, here's a penny. Now you go and turn it into a million pounds and then come back and see me. He's saying, here's the whole thing. Here's everything you need. Cling to me. Draw near to me. And I will give you everything you need to put your heart in the place where Jesus can come and live. Jesus is desperate to dwell in our hearts. And so we have a, a, a compulsion to partner with the king to see that happen. And so if, if this is a crucial part in us finding our identity in Jesus, if this is something that Paul is saying, actually, this is a crucial part of you knowing who you are, why is that so important? Well, Paul goes on to explain it in the next few verses. We aren't just to create a space for Jesus to dwell in our hearts because it's fun uh, or because he, ha- he hasn't got anywhere else to stay. That's not the deal. We have to create a space in our hearts because there's a purpose for doing that. It says this in the next few verses, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high how, eh, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. As we begin to allow Jesus to enter our hearts eh, in a way that is unchecked eh, and unimpeded, we start to grasp a fuller picture of who the Father is that sent the Son to die for us. It means we can start to stretch deep into the root, deep roots into his love. That's what Paul talks about here. He's saying you, you are to be rooted and established in the love of the Father. Those are not uh, flaky words. They're not words that are blown away uh, by the first gust of wind. We are to become rooted and established that as we create a place in our hearts for Jesus to dwell, actually what that looks like is us starting to stretch roots into the Father's love in a way that makes us uh, really hard to move, really hard to shake, really hard uh, to, to be bowled over by fear or worry or fright. We become solid people built on a solid base set down by an unchanging father. We recently, uh, in the last year, did up our garden when we moved into our house. Uh, Our garden was just two levels of concrete with a shed on top. uh, And we thought it would be really nice for our kids to have some grass to run around on. In my head, this was a much easier job than I thought it was going to be. I was like, yeah, we'll lift the slabs and flatten it out, fling some grass on it, it'll be great. So we set about doing it. I got all the slabs lifted up, and then I started trying to flatten out the earth. And as I was flattening the earth, uh, my spade hit this rock about halfway up my garden. And I was like, oh, that feels a bit different from the other one. So I started trying to dig around it. uh, And everywhere I went, uh, for about a foot either side of where I'd initially hit it, I just kept hitting more rock. I was like, what is this thing? So I got, eventually I found the edges of it, about two foot wide, uh, this rock was. And so I started digging down. I was like, well, I'm going to need to get it out. So I was digging down. Every time I went down and moved in to dig it up, there was more rock. Eventually we got to the bottom of it. It was about a two foot by two foot massive boulder that they'd obviously used in the building of the houses and thought, we'll just dump this in the garden and nobody will ever find it afterwards. It was just sitting right there in the middle of the garden. So me uh, and my three neighbors next door, they all come out with like uh, crowbars and spades and we started like chipping away at this thing and it wouldn't move. We started digging and digging. Two hours later of digging and moving around this rock, it took the four of us to pick it up out of the ground and fling it out of my garden. It was almost immovable. 
I think when Paul is praying this prayer over the Ephesians that they would be rooted and established in love, I think he's talking about what, what that felt like for us in those moments, that there is something that you, that you get rooted with God in a way that makes it incredibly hard for you to be moved or shaken, that you're so deep in the love of God that it makes it almost impossible for you to be pulled out, that you're established in a way that it takes a gargantuan force to even get you to move an inch. Paul wants the believers in Ephesus to be rooted and established in God's love in a way that makes them immovable, unchangeable, unshifting, unswerving. I don't know about you guys, I would love to be rooted in God's love in that way that made me uh, immovable and unchanging when the enemy's voice comes and whispers in my ear. But I mean be the only one here, but that often isn't my reality. That often isn't the case for me. There's more times than not where I feel very shaky and very easily blown over and very easily swayed uh, the moment his voice comes and chats. And for some of us in the room, our eyes will be drawn to the same temptation over and over again. That will be the thing that knocks our roots out quickly that we're drawn to the same thing we look at the same thing we do the same thing we say the same thing over and over and we feel powerless to do anything about it for some of us we might be so crippled by anxiety that it feels really hard to put deep roots down because it feels like the moment we try the wind is all over us and it's blowing us over before we can even get a little seedling in the ground You know, for others of us, we'll be experiencing the lowness of depression in a way that just feels like God is completely out of our reach and masked from our sight most of the time. Maybe for others of us, our selfishness and pride have caused us to stand on an altogether different ground that isn't the solid love of of God's love, uh, the solid ground of God's love. Our reality often doesn't look like being firmly rooted and established in God's love, the way Paul prays in this prayer. So why do we often feel like that? Why do we often feel like we're not solidly in God's love, the way that Paul prays here? I think it's connected back to the previous part of the prayer. I think that when Jesus finds a place to dwell fully in our hearts, when we partner with the King to allow him full reign, to live in the fullness of our being, to speak words of wisdom into our life, to draw us away from the stuff that is unhealthy, to speak a word of correction to us that resonates with the core of our being when things start to go a little bit awry. That is when we can begin to know what it looks like to be rooted and established in the love of the Father. I think often what causes us to be blown over quickly is that we go through all of the us possibilities before we get to the God possibility. So something goes wrong in our lives and you think, if I can just read this book, it will fix it. If I just watch this YouTube video, it will fix it. If I can just get around the right people who can speak to me in the right way, it will fix it. And we often go through everything ourselves first and only at the last minute do we think, oh, this is really desperate now. I should probably call out to God in this moment because it's really difficult and hard now. I think God wants to be the first on the to-do list of fixing our lives. I think he wants to be top of the list, number one, ask God for help. Invite him in. Welcome him into the problems. 
When we invite Jesus to come and dwell fully in our hearts, then we have the opportunity to be rooted and established in his love fully. We no longer stand alone, but then we're linked with a Savior who does not move. And what hope is there in those words? What hope is there for us today that at the start of this new year, whatever defined the last year and whatever defined all the years before that, has no authority to continue defining our lives when Jesus dwells fully in our hearts. There is such hope in those words that what defined our previous year and all the years that came before that has no authority to continue doing so because Jesus has all the authority. I wonder if we need to hear those words today. I wonder what has wreaked havoc in our lives up until this point that now loses its power when we fully invite Jesus to come and dwell in our hearts. Being rooted and established in the Father's love, it's not like an instant fix. It's like the more we get to know him, the deeper our roots go. The more we see what he is capable of doing, our roots grow a little bit deeper. The more that we see him at work in the lives of the people around us, it's like water on the plant. The roots go deeper and deeper still. The closer we cling to him, the roots go deeper and deeper again until we find ourselves rooted firmly and established in his love. I wonder if a good question for us to ask this morning is, Are the doors of our hearts fully open to Jesus and Jesus alone? Is it time for us to evict the tenants of sin and shame and give Jesus the keys to every room, even the little back cupboards that nobody else knows about? Is it time to hand over those keys and say, Jesus, this is my heart. You can dwell fully in here. There is no room that is off limits to you. You are welcome to kick out anyone else who's in here. This is your home. This is your place. This is you alone. We place our faith in the Father knowing that his heart for us is good. We choose to continue placing our faith in the Father in spite of circumstance because we know what Jesus has done for us. He surrendered his life on the cross so that we could experience freedom and forgiveness in abundance. C.S. Lewis says this, faith is the art of holding on to things in spite of the changing moods and circum- your changing moods and circumstances. As we choose to pursue God, to allow Jesus to dwell fully in our hearts, he strengthens us. He allows us to put down firm roots in the love of the Father. We press in, he meets us. We cling to him and he draws us deep. We make a choice to open our doors to him and him alone. And the reward is fullness of life in him. Full experience and measure of his uh, presence. A full measure of uh, his Holy Spirit alive and at work within us. The fullness of life. We become rooted and established in his love. And then I love how Paul ends this prayer as well. I love the way that he draws it all together. Paul lays out this challenge uh, to the the church in Ephesus to allow Christ to dwell at the very heart of who they are and to be filled with the power of their Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to close with these words, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more 
than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The same Father who's been calling the Ephesians back to him, Paul now goes on to reveal the fullness of what he is capable of. He is capable of doing immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. I have a pretty vivid imagination. I can imagine God doing some crazy things. He can do immeasurably more than anything we could ever ask or imagine. Paul is opening their eyes to a sense of possibility that as they grow their roots a little deeper in Christ, that as they open up a few more rooms in their heart for him, suddenly this world of possibility opens up to them in terms of what the Father can do for them, but not that what the Father can do through them. We um, went on holiday uh, last year to Edinburgh uh, with, uh, before Caleb was here. Uh, we have a little boy and a little girl. And last year, uh, just uh, me and Sarah and Evelyn, we went on holiday to Edinburgh and we decided one day to take the tram into town and to visit the National Museum of Scotland. I don't know if you've ever been there. If you're ever in Edinburgh, you need to go to the National Museum of Scotland. It is incredible. It's free and it's got like four floors and it's just filled full of amazing stuff. Uh, and we got Evelyn really hyped for going. We were like, this is going to be amazing. You're going to love it. So on the tram, the tram alone would have been enough for the day. Just going on the tram would have ticked all the boxes for her for a day. But then we got to the museum uh, and we took her into the first room. And the first room is full of like loads of different animals and screens with interactive games on it uh, and lots of different wee information cubes that you have to open up. And I've never seen a look on her face like this before. She just stared and wondered around the room at everything that was in the room. And then she just tore from one thing to the next and shouted, Mommy, Daddy, come and see. And we'd run over and we'd see it. And two minutes later, she's like, I'm going to go over here. You've got to see this thing. Daddy, it's a crocodile. Like She just moved around the room so quickly doing all the different things. She was totally blown away. For her in that moment, the entire world of possibility, excitement, wonder and delight stood before her and she literally couldn't contain herself. I think when Jesus dwells in our hearts fully and we begin to firmly get rooted in establishing his love, a world of possibility opens to us with the Father that is like that moment that Evelyn walked into that room for the first time. She looks around and suddenly it's like, you don't know where to go first. You don't know what to do. There's so much that could happen. You want to invite other people to come and enjoy it with you. I think for us, when we discover Jesus in that way and he roots us and establishes us in his love, a growing sense of possibility about what this world could look like starts to unravel in our eyes as we look at the world. I think some of our own selfish desires and our own fears and our own anxieties, our eyes start to lift from our own stuff as Jesus deals with that and the rooting and establishing of us. And suddenly our eyes lift to, Jesus, what could you do in this world? What is possible in the lives of those around me? Jesus, where should we go first? What life should we interact with first? Jesus, and there's this excitement that grows in those moments. You know, just stop for a moment and think about those words. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. 
immeasurably more. So great is his power. So far reaching his hand. So deep is his love. So passionate about his children is he that he's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask and imagine. I'd love you just to close your eyes for a moment. Let's all just close our eyes. I want you to think about what is the wildest thing that you think God could do in your life? What is the craziest dream that you can come up with that God could do through you? Just stop and think about it for a moment. He can do more than that. He can do more than that. As we're drawn deeper into his love and we begin to live in a place of infinite possibility and partnership because we know who he is, God can do amazing things through us, not just for us, but through us. That's why as a church, when we talk about rewriting a new future for the church in Scotland, We're not just saying that for fun or lightly. We're saying that because we really firmly believe that God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. For you guys at GP, when you talk about taking this city center for Jesus, seeing every single person in the flats and the shops and the communities around this place coming to know Jesus and finding a home for him in their hearts, that's because he can do immeasurably more for us guys at St. Macron, when we talk about uh, seeing the total northern part of this city transformed, we talk about that because we know that Jesus can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. I love that. I want to be in on that. I don't want to watch as that's happening round about me. And so I guess the challenge for us this morning is, has God fully found his home in our hearts? Are we beginning to allow uh, the roots that he wants to grow to go deep into his love in a way that makes us unshakable and unmovable? And are we starting to see the possibility of what could happen when we partner with Jesus in that way? Why don't we stand and we'll pray together?